This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. You can get a cup of my water. That'd be good. Okay. Um, this week, Isha Kisazri of Yolda Zafar. So this week talks about, the beginning talks about a woman who, who becomes pregnant and gives birth to, thank you, and gives birth to a boy. And then it goes right from that into the whole dinam of Nega, of, um, of Taras, and there's a very beautiful, very, very beautiful Pusik that you should always remember. Pusik Yud Gimel. I'm sorry, Pusik Gimel. If a person has in his, in his skin uh, different kinds of colors, you know, of, uh, of terras, of leprosy. Um, so he has to come to Aaron Akayin. To any Kayin. Aaron Akayin or any of his children. And the Kayin will look and he'll see the negar in the in, in this person's skin, the seir of a negar hafach lavon, and the hair, the hair of that place where this negar is, turned white. Umara hanegar omok me'or b'soro, and the look of the negar of the leprosy is three dimensional, right? It looks deeper than the surface of his skin. Negar tsarasu, it's negar it's tsaras. V'ra'ohu akayhein. And the coin should look at it. The Timei Oisai. And he should make this person Tamei. Chazal asks, you said that already. The Pasuk begins, that the Koyen saw the plague, the, 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 the leprosy. So why at the end of the Pasuk does it say again, that the Koyen saw it and he made him Tamei. He already said he saw it. So the teretz is beautiful teretz. You cannot make another Jew tummy unless you look twice. Your first look, you cannot. We talked about we talk about this a lot, right? That your first look, even a kohen can't say tummy. You have to look again. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. People judge other people. Um, it was interesting. A girl came to an interview for my school. She came in pants. To the high school, she came to interview. She came in pants. The father called me up afterwards, all nervous. He said, "My daughter, the reason that she's off the derech and that she's struggling is because um, she was let down many times. People judged her, and they they they, they didn't accept her. And they let her down many times. And he's from out of town. And he says, and now I know that you're not going to take her.'" Because I saw all the girls in your school are wearing skirts and, 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 and skirts up to their knees. My daughter walked in the pants. So I'm sure you're not going to take her. And uh, it's just going to be traumatic for her. And I said, first of all, the girls are wearing skirts up to their knees because they have a uniform in school. The minute they walk out of school, they're not wearing skirts up to their knees. I said, that's number one. I said, number two, I'm a client. I told him this possibly. I don't go by first look. First look, you see the person's chitzainiyas. Oh my God, this guy's not wearing a black hat. He's wearing keeper suga. He, he's dressed like this. He's dressed like that. He has long hair. He has short hair. This, that, the other thing. Right? That's the first look. The second look, you have to be able to see the person's soul. So by a client, even he comes with saras, the Torah tells us, 
No, we're all acclaimed with Tima Yosha at the end of the Pasuk. You have to look at it again. Before you make another Jew Tamei, um, you have to look again. There's a very interesting halacha in Saras. And halacha in Saras, this is a whole discussion. I had this long discussion. I think we spoke about it last week. About, the, about I did discuss it, the whole thing about lying for Shalom Bayez, right? So, and that, and that Hashem changed his story, but that's really MS, because Shalom is really MS. It's a halacha like this. If a chassan is in his Sheva brachas, he got married, he's in his Sheva, and, and he gets married, and the next day, or two days later, he sees chassan, he sees on his hand, he's got, he's got saras. Koyen has to say toha. Even if it has all these things that look like it, he has to say toha, because during, during the Sheva brachas, he can't separate the chassan from the kawa. So it's very deep. In other words, what do you mean? It's not toha. It's Saras. No. For Shalom, they should be able to say together, the claim has to say Tahar. So the bottom line, you know, the Torah, um, I don't, I don't think that people understand, I don't think that people understand what, um, what the Torah is all about. I'm going to tell you a story, I'm going to try to say it in the Lush and Nucky as much as I can. Um, Lashanaki means in a clean, a clean direction. I'm going to tell you a crazy story where I had unbelievable siyata deshmaya from Hashem. And even though I'm just a Mir Yeshiva graduate, uh, well actually a Beishraga graduate, and then I went to Beishraga and Mir Yeshiva for a couple of years, um, I did not go to college. I do not have a degree in psychology. But I've been teaching um, kids. It's something I, I this is a discussion that is a very sensitive discussion. I don't know if I should go public with it, but I will, because um, just the way I am. But um, <laughs> there are people that speak about chinuch. There are therapists that speak about how to bring up children. And I'm sure there are many books, and I'm sure that they have a degree, and I'm not... And, and there are many very good therapists out there. There are very good therapists. In my opinion, it's like a ball player. You're naturally good, but you need to be coached to get that extra step. But if you're not naturally good, if it's a kid with two left hands, he's just not going to be in the Hall of Fame in baseball. So the guys who are in the Hall of Fame in baseball, they're, they're good, naturally. But if you're not coached, if you're good naturally, there was a... There was a ball player who I used to go watch um, on uh, West Sixth Street in Manhattan. There's a park there um, where all the all the ball players from Harlem and from all over go there to show off their abilities. So as guys, and I was a big ball player, and I used to wa- want to watch. So we used to go sometimes down to the East Side to um, it's right off Sixth Avenue to watch these guys play. There was a guy who was called Helicopter. So it was this black guy who was a superstar. I mean. He was like a Jordan. This guy, when he stuffed the basket, he would slap, he would, he would jump so hard that he could slap the top corner of the backboard. I mean, it was not normal. He was, he was, he was not normal, but he never made it to the NBA. He was never coached. In the end, he was, a, he was just, he was a drug, he was a drug addict. So he, he had the, he had the natural abilities, but he, he was, you know, he was never coached. So, so, when you're in a classroom, with kids 
and you have 25 kids for 10 years, it's 250 different kids. So, and I'm, I'm not talking against therapy, don't get, I'm not. Because there are some people who are naturally amazing, and I know them, and I send guy, people to them. They're amazing, naturally therapists. Would they be good therapists if they didn't go to college? Yes. They would be good therapists. They love kids. They know, they have logic. They, they, they just, they have it. They have it. Some people just can talk to somebody and they just have it. Do they need to go to college to become a therapist? Yes, because there are mental illnesses that you don't get by sitting in a class with a bunch of kids, you know, teaching a bunch of kids. So there, there are things that you, you have to go to school. But a person who sits in school with kids and teaches, you learn so much from experience. You know, there, there are there are doctors that are very old, and I happen to like to go, if I have to go to a doctor, I'm not looking for a young guy just out of school, even though he's a whiz kid and he's a superstar, because at the end of the day, the doctor, he has experience. Experience is a very big thing. So, so if you're in a classroom for 30 years, with 25 kids a year, that's 750 kids. You taught 750 different kids. That's school, that's going to school. That, that's getting a degree. That's, 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 you know, going to school. So there, there are certain things that you develop when you, when, you know, when you teach and whatever you do, experience, experience is experience. I, I know a doctor without, before he take, before, the guy that I used to go to, and I'm not going to mention names, he's an older guy. When he would take a strep culture, he would tell me already if it is or it isn't. Even if it was pussy, he would say, it's very pussy and very red, it's a virus. I'm like, hello, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't dip the, you didn't dip the Q-tip in yet. How do you know? I know what it looks like. It's, it's experience. Anyway, so, um, so, so it, it just happens to have come up. There's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of things going on or things that happen to kids and to people where, Someone who's supposed to be Torah dick and someone who's supposed to be setting an example does not. And then a lot of people just go off the derech or, you know, Rabbi Walsh, just, you know, if, if that's what a rabbi does and, and, and they just walk out and like, then I'm done with this and all that. And it's, it's extremely, it's very, very wrong. It's very, very wrong. And I had a whole discussion yesterday. There was a whole discussion in Shul about this. Because something happened, whatever it is, and really for people who were like, so I said that, that I explained to them, I happened to have been in Landau's, that, that learning Torah as a subject, you, you can have smicha and you could be a buggy bishas and do some really bad stuff. Because it's surface, it's, it's a subject. There are priests and there are other people in other religions that are not even Jewish that I've been on a plane in Utah with Mormons and other non-Jewish people who know more Navi and quote Yeshaya, Yemiyahu, Yechesko every verse inside out backwards and forwards but they're not Jewish how can you learn Yechesko Yeshaya, Yemiyahu my Makava and not become Jewish how can you not become Jewish you're quoting me Yeshaya with a Jew, Yemiyahu Yechesko you know, Psalms, they know to heal him every single word, right? Walk in the valley of death with me, whatever, right? They know all this stuff. So then, so then, how could you learn that and not become a Jew? 
And the answer is it's surface. It's a subject. Because I learn biology, I don't become a biologist. I learned biology in school. I'm not a biologist. I learned chemistry. I'm not a chemist. Because learning the subject, so you don't, you don't, you don't always absorb it. There's a very, very, very famous Gemara. The Gemara talks about where, um, when, when, when Hashem gave the Torah, the whole world was shaking. Right? So the Goyim thought that it's the end of the world. They knew about Noah, and now we're, we're done. The whole world is over. So they ran to Bilaam. The Gemara says, they ran to Bilaam. Moshe Ben was our leader, Bilaam was their leader. So they ran to Bilaam, and they said, he was their prophet, right? What's going on? Why is the world shaking? Is God destroying the world? He said, God swore. The Gemara says, he still told them, God swore he wouldn't destroy the world. They said, with water. He said he wouldn't destroy the world with water, but maybe with an earthquake. He said, no. God is giving, this is what he says, Gemara quotes. Bilaam tells these people, God is giving his chosen nation his greatest present called the Torah. Right? They all said, Oh! They should be, they should be gebenched. They should be blessed. And they went back to their idols and Avayazara. Because so I'll ask, I don't understand. Your high priest, your prophet told you, the chosen nation is getting God's greatest present. So why did they all get together and go to Hasinai? I want to be part of that nation and I want to get the present. They went home to their movies, to their iPhones, to their houses of ill repute. Your main man just told you they're chosen getting the... Right? So Chazal asked, how could they go home after that? Why did Bilam, he said out of his mouth, say, oh my God, they're chosen. Klichem does the Torah. I want, I want to become a ger. And the answer is that they didn't want to absorb it. Wow, that's great. You know? But I, I gotta go out to eat and I gotta, you know, I gotta go to my movies. So, even though they heard that we're getting the best thing and we're the chosen nation, and, and their Navi said it and Billam said it, that's very nice. As long as the world is not, is not over, I can go back to the casino. Right? Go back to the casino. So there's an earthquake, everyone's running out of the casino. Oh my god, earthquake! Earthquake stops. Any damage to the hotel? No, everyone goes back two seconds later, they're playing. Because they didn't absorb what happened so sometimes the terror is abused sometimes it's just used in the wrong way and and it doesn't mean that the Torah is, is bad it means that the person who's wielding the Torah who's doing something wrong or using it for the wrong reasons he's the bad one not the Torah don't don't throw out the kid with the, with the, with the dirty water right it's a famous saying so I'll tell you a story that happened with me a few years ago. So there was a girl that was struggling very, very much. And actually, it was in a, a hospital in a psych ward. And this girl was struggling very, very much. Nobody she would not she would not make eye contact, she would not talk to anybody, she would not she she was hurt physically and um, again Lushanucky you could understand what I'm saying she was hurt physically by someone in her family who represented a Jewish from person so she was a very very from girl and I actually came there to see someone else and I saw this kid 14 
very firm girl, and she was in a corner, totally like curled up in a ball. And I asked the doctor uh, who was there, what's the deal? Of course, they can't tell you. And they said, we've been trying, her parents have been trying, everyone's been trying, but since this terrible trauma was done to her, nobody can get through. So when you tell me that, of course, nobody can get through, I'm going to try. So I, I went over and I started talking to her, even though she didn't look at me, whatever it is. And it took, a, it took a few visits. And the rule was that when you go into the psych ward, if you being done with a rabbi, came as a rabbi, you can talk to the patient, but a doctor has to be sitting next to you. Or they don't trust anybody. So if I'm talking to this girl, there was always a psychiatrist, a psychologist sitting across to me. And I was trying all my stories and all my stuff. And this psychologist was like fascinated by it. She never heard this stuff. Whatever. Anyway, so one day, so the problem, the, the reason she couldn't get out is that that if you're in a you have to have an exit plan, and in other you have to have a plan of what you're going to do when you leave, and you also can't be suicidal. If you keep saying I'm going to kill myself, they're not letting you out, and that's what she kept saying. So they're not letting her out. So he's supposed to be there for six days, and she's there ready for six weeks. So finally. I got her to talk. And this very religious kid, right, who never went through this trauma, says to me, I said, you have to stop saying you're going to kill yourself. We'll never get you out of here. She said, Mary Wallerstein, I'm a Jewish girl. And the reason Hashem created Jewish girls is to have children. I will never have anything to do with a man after what happened to her. So, if I have never anything to do with a man, I can't have children. If I can't have children, then Hashem doesn't want me here. So if Hashem doesn't want me here, I'm just gonna get I'm just gonna get myself out of here. There's no reason for me as a Jewish girl to be in this world, because in her head, where she came from, she was taught that the only reason a woman's in this world is to have children. And if I'm not gonna have children because after what happened to me, there's no way that I'm gonna have anything to do with a man, I'm done. So the minute I get out of here. I'm jumping off a bridge because there's no there's no room for me here. It's very sad. So I'm sitting there and the therapist is sitting there. And this came from totally from Hashem. So I have to answer. So I said the following. I said, I want to tell you a story. And this was I was this was just coming down. And I want to tell you a story. There's this little boy, and I think this is important for everybody who goes through any trauma or any abuse. So this little boy never had ice cream. Never. And all his friends have ice cream all the time, so he's begging his mother, he's begging his mother to buy him ice cream. And finally she says, you know what, you're such a good boy. I'm going to buy you ice cream. She comes home with a quart, not a pint, a quart of vanilla chocolate strawberry ice cream. This big. One of those big Klein cartons of ice cream but she had enough for him to eat for the next who knows what okay she puts it in the freezer one day the little boy goes to his mommy he says you know I did very good in school give me the ice cream she says sure Chaim of course sure she goes to take the ice cream meanwhile the father is standing there and he says give me the ice cream so the mother gives the father the ice cream he takes the cover off he says Chaim come here you didn't say please. 
I'm going to teach you a lesson. And he takes this quart of ice cream and he stuffs it into his kid's face. And this freezing ice cream, the kid can't breathe. And the kid's choking and he's choking and he's got this freezing ice cream in his face and he can't breathe. And finally, the last second the father takes the ice cream over and says, I hope you learned the lesson. From now on, you say please. Now, this kid's never going to eat ice cream again. So I asked the girl, I said, you hear the story? Traumatic. Let me ask you something. Is ice cream bad? Ice cream's not bad. Ice cream's not a bad thing. But the ice cream was abused. It was stuffed in a kid's face and it caused him to choke. So who's bad in this story? The tub of ice cream that everyone enjoys and, and is healthy? Or the man who took the tub of ice cream and stuffed it in the kid's face because he didn't say please. And she looked at me and she said, ice cream's not bad. The man is bad. So I said, the reason that you don't want to get married is not bad. That's not bad. That's, that's, that's zivug. That's kadosh. Hashem is there. That's not bad. But the man who abused it, he's bad. So there's no reason for you to think that one day you can't get married and have children. Because if you don't marry someone who uses that for bad, then it's the greatest thing in the world. It's just like ice cream. She was out of that psych ward about a week later, and they actually wrote a memorandum in their psychology books, quoted by Dr. Rabbi Wallerstein, <laughs> because they actually asked me, so where did you get your, where did you get your college training? And I was like, it's called Mira Yeshiva Rabbinical <laughs> College. They didn't check it out. I'm not going to tell my, I, I just did high school and that was it, whatever it was. I think it's very important. The reason I'm saying this story is Yiddishkeit is not bad. Yiddishkeit is ice cream. Judaism, the Torah that Hashem gave us, that's ice cream. The people that abuse it doesn't change what the Torah is. So, instead of walking away from the Torah, walk away from the people that are abusing it. That's the big mistake. They walk away from the ice cream. I'll never have ice cream again. Why not? Ice cream you're supposed to eat with a spoon or in a cone with sprinkles. It's a very good thing. Sure, if someone stuffs it in your face and you can't breathe, it's a bad thing. But the ice cream is not the bad thing. And it's a very important lesson for everyone to know. Because so many people, you know, I can't believe that. The Torah is the most beautiful thing. And if it's kept correctly, then you have a Rav Ham. And you have Rav Chaim Kainesky. And you have Rav Moshe Feinstein. And you have... Rebetzin Kainesli Oliver Shalom and you have the most beautiful people so instead of getting angry and walking away look at what Tyra really does look at the people that really keep Tyra not as a subject or to get a shit off or to to show off but actually absorb the Tyra they're the best fathers they're the best husbands their chesed to people is unparalleled their their hakar satov is unparalleled that's a person who absorbs. Person who abuses it doesn't doesn't, doesn't mean the Torah is no good. Kairach abused the Torah. Kairach abused it. He was, he was a tzaddik. He was a gadol. He was great. He was unbelievable. But he used it for his own power. 
Not that Torah was bad, that all the Torah that Korach knew was bad. Korach was bad. Korach did the wrong thing. That's a very important lesson. And therefore, you see here, by, even by Tzaras, that the Torah is really beautiful. The Torah is telling you, the Kayin knows the guy's tummy, but he's in Shemabrachis. So he has to say Torah. That's our Torah. Not nah, you're going to burn. I had this week, I, I teach you the teaching, like, all, all kids come out and say, they're going to burn. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not a mass barbecue man. He doesn't sit there with gloves on with those, you know, what you have at the barbecue. Okay, flip Yaakov over right now. He's well done on one side. Flip Miriam. She's well done on that side. This, this is not Hashem. This is not our Torah. The, the work of Hedem is not mentioned in the Torah. The work of Hedem is not mentioned in the Torah. You know, like Minhag and Gehenim are the same words. The work of Hedem is not mentioned. That's not what, that's not what we're all about. But they, they, they paint this picture that, like this God that just wants to burn you and fry you and then burn you and then, and when he's finished putting you in the fire, then you're gonna go into the snow, then you're gonna have Ghanim Shosheleg, and then you're lucky if you get that because you're gonna be in between two worlds, and they're gonna be Malachi Chabola whipping you, so he's gonna whip you and then he's gonna burn you and then he's gonna freeze you. Sounds like a butcher store, you know? Sounds like a restaurant. Freeze them and then burn them, and that's not, that's not, that's not what our Torah not what our Torah stands for. Our Torah is very sensitive. Our Torah is, yeah, yeah, he has Torah, but you can't say it because he's got to be with his wife and they got to be together for the Shabbat Brachos. Yeah, Kayan, you saw it on the first time. Look again. Look again. This halacha to me, since I'm a kid, when I heard it, it's absolutely, it's an amazing halacha. Halacha is that the big bezin was 71 people. If all 71 say chayev, you putter. In other words, there's a murder case. Witnesses come. Seventy-one judges say he's guilty. He walks free. You know that? That's the halacha. He walks free. All seventy-one judges say guilty. This guy gets up. Bye. He's free. Now, seventy judges say guilty, and one says not guilty. He's dead. So he asked a question. Surely, if 70 people say guilty, he's dead. So if 71 say guilty, he's surely dead. It's Kabbalah If 70 say guilty and one says innocent, he's dead. If 71 say guilty, he's free. Makes no sense. Right? It's Kabbalah And the answer is, this is our Torah. The answer is, if not one person and those 71 can find any innocence, they miss something. If you're, if you're so sure, you're wrong. You can never be that sure. So, the luck is, if all 71, and there wasn't one guy that could find his chus, you, all of you, you miss something. So, because of that Gemara, what we did in our school, was that when a, a principal cannot, in Kran Yeshiva, could not throw the kid out, you have to have a meeting. And I sat at one of these meetings. Principal, English principal, Hebrew principal, assistant principal, and every teacher of that kid. Before you throw a kid out, before you throw a kid out of school, you have to have this meeting and maybe a teacher will find, you know, the other teacher's like, he misbehaved, but you know, in my math class, he's really good. Oh, maybe we should keep him. He, you know, or a teacher say like, you're right, he really deserves to be thrown out, but he happens to help me outside of school, you know, find his chutz. So there's one kid, you know, we sat at this meeting, and I was assistant principal, 
And everybody was like, get him out of the school. He's ruining the school, he's ruining the class, and not one person around, I wasn't, wasn't my kid, I'm a, he wasn't in my class, right? Not one, not math, not chemistry, not English, not Gemara, not Chomish, not one teacher wanted him to stay. So they all said, throw him out. I said, now you can't. <laughs> because the Gemara says, the, the halacha is, it has to be one for it. If not one teacher can find something good about this kid, you, 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 you don't know him. Because every person has something good about him. So there's a, there's a, you gotta keep him. So it's halacha. If one teacher would have gotten up and said, in my class is good, we would have thrown him out. Because all the other teachers say, he's impossible. He's ruining the whole school. <laughs> all of you say no good? We're all missing something. We're all making a decision, we're all missing something. It's not American law. An American jury, everyone finds the person guilty, he's guilty. It's Jewish law. It's very deep. It's about a person. It's about a kayin looking at something and saying Torah when he knows it's Tomei. It's about Hashem saying, sorry, Menu said she's too old. When she really said he's too old. That's what we're about. So if the ice cream is used wrong, don't throw out the ice cream. Throw out the person that's abusing it. So I'm in the books. I'm in the books. They wrote a memorandum and they told me that this was a situation till I so I said this that they did not know how to deal with kids of abuse because a girl that was abused by a man would not want to have anything to do with a man and therefore they said since then this is, they sit them down they tell them the story this story is being used to help kids these kids who don't want to be and they're saying it's not the man it's not it's not the physical being with the man it's the man it's not the it's not the ice cream so to say it's the man and they've been using it ever since then uh, did I go to college Right, I wrote a memorandum, and I don't want to tell you the hospital, but probably the it is the best psych ward in New York State. Walton's in there. See, I'm not I'm not any smarter than anybody else. But if you learn the Torah and you, and, and you see from here that you don't, that you have to look twice. It teaches you something. It teaches you something. Don't make such a fast judgment call. I had it this week. I'm, I can't get into the story, but I had it this week where, ooh, somebody told me something that really upset me. That somebody was going behind my back and someone that I trusted and someone that is under my wing, whatever it is, was going behind my back and, and opening what I, opening competition to me behind my back. And at the same time, working for me. So he's, he, it was like the, it's like the worst thing someone could tell you. And normally I would have flipped. Right? You're working for me and behind my back, you're fired. Behind my back, you want to do the same thing against me? You're fired. There's nothing to talk about. Negative said, we got to look twice. I said, you know what? Don't go off the handle. I went and I taught. And then I had lunch. And then I went to the person. I said, I am want to hear from what you have to say I am this is what happened this is what this person told me and I'd like before I do anything or react what do you have to say about it and the, the whole thing was wrong the whole thing was wrong what the guy told me was true but it was just one little nature off and this guy wasn't going against me he was helping someone that wanted to understand what I do there was nothing wrong whatsoever what he did and thank God, because I would have walked in there and fired him. I would have made the biggest mistake of my life. And it would have been wrong. It would have been wrong. you got to look twice. Don't make anyone Tommy on your first look.
you got to look twice. Okay, so that's um, that's Pasha's Sadria. Uh, um, so I want to um, let's see what we're we doing here. It's eleven fifteen. Okay, I have a fantastic story, but before that, I want to do a little pikeyavos. Pikeyavos, right? Starts Pesach all the way till Sukkot. So it's now it's now. Sec, sec, yeah, go through base up to circus. What? Torshishana. Okay, I mean Torshishana, right? Till till um, till Tishrei. So last week was the first parrot. This week is the second parrot. So I want to start. I just want to tell you a mission. And I, I spoke a lot about this this week in seminary. So uh, the first mission. Moshe Kibbutz Torah Mishnah. First of all, Koyisro Yeshlem Chelik Olam Hava. Very important. The, the six the prokim of Pekayovos, the reason that we learn it now is because now it's springtime, summertime, your eyes start to wander, you feel free, you, you're a little bit more off the derech, so to say, than in the winter when it's cold, people are not dressed in the city, they're at the beach, and it's warm, and you feel, automatically, everybody feels better, loose, right? So during this period of time, the Chachamim said, we need to rein you in a little bit, we need to give you a little musr. Right? So, the first thing, again, it's back to understanding what Torah is. We get clobbered a little bit in, in, uh, in Pirkei Elvis. It tells us a lot of things that we have to do and criticisms and how to grow. But before we start talking about that, we, it opens up, Kol Yisrael Yeshlehem Chelek Olam Haba. Not you're going to Gehenna. Not they're burning you. You better watch out. Right? The first thing it opens up is everybody has Ganadin. Everybody has a chilek, Lo'ilam Haba. Lo'ilam Haba doesn't always mean Ganadin. Lo'ilam Haba really means Mashiach, the next world, the world to come. Right? Everyone has a chilek in the world to come. How do you know that? I love this. People don't realize this. This is, we say this before in every parak, and not just the first mission, every parak, we start off with Koshal Yerachilek Lo'ilam Haba. And what does it, what does it, what does it say? It says, so how do you know that? Maybe some people are born without a chayv olam haba. Shenema, va'amech kulam tzadikim. Hashem says, my nation, every guy in this room, you're a tzadik. That's cool. That's not, I'm gonna burn, barbecue, fry me, punish me, kill me, abamisa's bedin, kores, chaymisa. Doesn't open up like that. It says, you know what? Hashem says you're all tzaddikim. Lo oilam yeshu aretz neitzah matayim asay yudel esbar. So it opens up on a very positive note. The problem is that you can have a piece of property. I could give all you guys a piece of property. Some of you are going to plant. Some of you will be really smart. You're going to plant grapes, and from those grapes, you're going to make wine, and you're going to have a whole business, right? Some of you are going to take a take a a nice chair and you just lay in the sun and get a, get a nice suntan on your piece of property. Some of you are not going to even do that. You're just not going to pay any attention to it and it's going to get thorns and weeds and holes and rocky and, but I gave you a piece of property. So Kushbaku says, when you come into this world, you have oilam hava. The question is what are you going to do with it? That's up to you. You're going to leave it alone, be busy with everything else. That's up to you. But you have a chelik oilam hava. Okay. The first mission says, Maisha Kibo Misinai. Moshe got the Torah from Hasinai. Guys, did Moshe get the Torah from Hasinai? Hello? Moshe didn't get the Torah from Sinai. 
Well, she got the term from Hashem. But the mission starts off. First mission of Ben-Yel was, Maishi Kibo Torah Sinai. And then he gave it to Yeshua. And Yeshua came, he came to the V, and the V, and the Achim, and the Achim, and What do you mean Maishi got the Torah from Hashem? She said, Maishi Kibo Torah, Hashem. And I'm sure you've all learned this mission a hundred times. What does that mean? Okay. And it says three things. It doesn't mean you should have many students. It means you should stand them up. Listen to this. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What is a, what is a real Rebbe? What is a real Rebbe? So... So the heavy Masunabadin, you should be deliberate, deliberate in judgment, right? Careful in your judgment. Hemidu Talmidim have You should develop many Talmidim, but Hemidu means you should stand them up. And make a fence around the Torah. So, when you, when you, when you, when you have a little, a child that starts to walk, or he's crawling and you want him to stand, so what do you do? You pick him up. You hold his hand, right? And then you let go. And then he goes, he falls. And then you pick him up, and you hold his hand, and then you let go. The Lashem Hemidu Tamidim Harbe, right, to make them stand, is like taking a child who cannot stand. So you have this student who's struggling. And I tell this to Mechanchem, this is the first Mishnah, right? You have a kid that's struggling. He doesn't, he doesn't understand. He's not doing well in school. Whatever his problem is, he doesn't understand. How does a Rebbe teach him? By yelling and screaming, I'm punishing you 10 points off your, no. You don't yell at your kid. I don't know how many of you have little children, right? But when my children were learning how to walk, I could have sat there and said, Malky, stand up! She's a toddler. She doesn't even know what that means. Right? Why don't you get up already? You can only say that to someone who already stood. But someone who never stood, you can't yell at them to stand. They don't know what you're talking about. They never stood before. So you can stand there for 10 years screaming at this little toddler, stand up, I don't stand up. So how do you teach a child to stand up? You pick them up and you hold their hands, right? And they're holding on to you and you're like, okay, now Tati's going to let go. And you let go and the kid sits down. Do you go crazy? You start screaming at him, get up! No, you know, we're going to have to do this many times before this kid's going to be able to stand. Now, once the child's standing, how do you get him to walk? How do you get him to walk? You hold his hands, and you walk backwards with him. And then what do you do? You back up, and you say, come to Tati. And the kid takes one or two steps, and he falls. And he gets up. I'm doing this right now. It happens to be with one of my grandsons, right? And I'm like, come to Zadie. And he's sort of standing there, like, shaking, right? And I'm like, I have a candy... Takes two steps, boom, he plops. We get him back up. And that's how you have to, that's how you have to have Talmidim. That's how you have to have students. Not by yelling and punishing. You have to hold on to them. Because a Rebbe has to hold on to them and to talk to them. And then you're gonna let go. You're gonna say, listen, I can't, I'm not, I'm not doing your homework for you. I'm not, you know, gonna sit here all day and all night. You have to learn how to walk yourself. You have to become a man. But I'm going to hold you, and if you fall, I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to hold you. If you fall, I'm going to pick you up. And then, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to offer you something, like the kid of the candy, and ask you to walk towards me. That's, that's a machanach. 
Not screaming. Why don't you know the Gemara? Why don't you know how to learn? And, and I'm not talking about Hanukkah Rebbe. I'm talking about parents also. You know, when you're hearing the kid, that's not, that's Hamidu Talmidim. It doesn't say you should have many Talmidim. Okay. Hamidu means help them stand. Like you help a child stand the same way that you have to help a Talmud stand. It's a beautiful word. Hamidu Talmidim Harabe. Okay. But Asui Shoglak Torah is what I want to speak about tonight. Also, some, we're doing some psychology tonight. So listen carefully to Asui Shoglak Torah. So this week, a girl sends me an email. And in the email, she writes Is there anything wrong with smoking a joint? It's the email. Once a month, right? I said I'm not. I, I don't. I don't email. So to write a whole answer, give it to my secretary and have her write. I'm like, find out her number. So I called her. I said, what, What's up? What's going on? She goes, I was having a discussion with my friends, and we were hanging out on Avenue J, whatever it is. And one of the boys had a joint, and he said, Do you want to? What do you call it? No, do you want to like smoke? Whatever, there's a word. Whatever. What, what, we don't know. We don't know. The, we don't know. How would we know the word? What? Are you kidding me? Turn the camera on him. Let everybody see. No, I'm kidding. So, so, she said, I didn't know if I should, if I shouldn't, but I was thinking to myself, like, just one. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a drug addict, right? Just one, right? So, I didn't, she said. I didn't. But, but, is there anything wrong if I would have? So, I said, there's a Mishnah. And it doesn't talk about a joint, but it talks about life. And this is something that I talk about a lot. And it also should be written in psychology books. I just haven't been in a, I haven't spoke to psychiatrists, psychologists about this, but someone this week happens to have said to me, you know, you, ne- you spoke about this a long time ago, you need to speak about it again. A lot of people need to hear this. So, this is the road theory. The road theory is like this. It's my theory. Um, but it's, it's, you see that it's very, very true. So, a kid, a kid that does, the, the one thing, and, and I apologize to any guy who went to rehab, cleaned himself up, and is doing very well. He should be gesund, and Hashem should be with him. It's very hard. Relapse rate is 80%. That's a crazy percent. That's a great way to make money, by the way. If I have a place, you come to me, I get you better, and I know 80% you're going to get sick again, I got it. I'm open for business. I mean, it's just going to keep happening, right? So, so Betty Ford... Betty Ford, which is the best rehab for alcoholism in California, their relapse is 80%. Other places is 90%. So you know, people who go to rehab know pretty much that they're going to go there for 28 days or three months, whatever it is, detox, whatever they have to do. But the people that know what they're doing know that this guy is coming back. So how do they look at success? Success is not based on not relapsing because then they're all failures. Success is that you came to rehab. When you left rehab, it took you a month to relapse. Now you came back to rehab, and now it took you three months to relapse. Now you came back to rehab, and now it's a year. And now you came back to rehab, and now it's five years. So success that's, success is the amount of time between relapse. It's very sad. That's, that, that's success. The amount of time between relapses, it's sort of like kidney stones, and then you didn't have kidney stones for for three months, and like wow, and now it's nine months. You guys like get rid of my flipping kidney stones. I can't deal with them anymore. No, you'll be back in a year. Right. You don't want to hear that, right? 
Now the reason that the reason the reason that is is because when we we are a product of all our actions of what we do. It's sort of ingredients in a cake. You don't put chocolate in a cake, you're not getting a chocolate cake, right? So if I smoke weed and I know what that feeling is, or I get drunk and I know what that feeling is, or I gamble, whatever whatever I'm doing that's that I shouldn't be doing, and I know what that feeling is, that feeling becomes part of my psyche. So this guy's doing drugs, he's going through pain, he's smoking up, he's whatever he's doing, right? Pills, whatever it is. Now he goes to a rehab and he's in a Siogvaktaira, he's in a protected environment. No one's doing drugs, everybody's giving you attention, you're going to groups three times a day, you can talk about your problems, everyone's, cry- everyone's crying with you, everyone's laughing with you, the outside world is not there, there's no pressure, you're not going to work, right? You're not, you don't have to deal with your wife, your kids, you're in rehab. So you're doing very well, and you are doing very well, and you're sitting there and you're like, I am never going to do drugs again. I haven't felt this good in 10 years. I'm clean. I'm clean. What happens? We take him out of that environment, right? And now, he's out of the environment, and the first thing we know, the rules are, you're not going to go back to your friends. We're going to put you back in that environment where everyone's drugging, you're going to relapse. So you, you, so you, cut, you cut away from your friends, you're like, I can't have to do with you guys. You know, unless you're clean, I can't have to do with you. It's AA, you can't. But what happens is that you have a learned behavior. You know that when you're in pain, if I smoke up, or I do these drugs, I'm not going to be in pain anymore. So in my head, and this is the way it works, I'm going to give you a, a muscle. So in my head, I created a road called, my escape is marijuana. Now, I, I did chuva, I don't want to do this anymore, I want to get married. So what do I do? I close the road. I go out there, I put those orange cones, right, across my road. I put, do not enter, I put those wooden boards with the wood across. Do not enter, big signs, cones, I close the road. I'm good. The problem is, a year down the road, six months down the road, I lost my job. My wife just walked out on me, whatever it is. So now, in my psyche, I travel. Here's my road. And I start traveling down the road. Help! I lost my job, I'm in pain, something happened to me, someone embarrassed me, whatever it is. So I'm now going down my road looking for help. There's a road right there, right next to me. And it says, marijuana. So I'm like, okay. Take the, take the orange cones, move them aside. I remember in Muncie they closed my block because they were doing some uh, sewer work on my block. So it was closed. I'm like, I came home, I'm like, it can't be closed. I came home from Yeshiva on Friday. So what I do, I got out of my car, I moved the cones, I moved the wooden thing, drove in, put them back, and drove up the block to my house. So here you are, you're coming back, you're coming to this road called marijuana or drug road, and you're like, oh my God, I'm in pain. And, and, and here's your situation, here's your marijuana road. So that's why the further, the longer you're clean, the further the road is away. So I have to travel all the way over there to get to it. But my first road is over here. So I am going to move those pylons, and I am going to relapse. So there's a boy that I know who's Baruch Hashem clean for a long time. How did, how, why is he clean for a long time? Because he's also going through a lot of hard times. But he became a crazy guy in the gym. He pumps iron, this guy. He works out, right? And he has not relapsed. Why? Because what he did is he's got this drug road 
In front of his drug road that's closed, he has an open road. It's called physical workout. So when he's in his pain and he starts going down his road, the first road is working out. So he jumps in there and he he sort of works himself crazy for two hours, pumping iron, whatever it is, and he gets that pain out. Because he created a different road in front of the road that's closed. Had he not taken that energy, and, and this is all stuff that's taught in the books, but it doesn't, had he not taken that negative energy or energy, and you can't just get rid of it and put it into that, there's no road here, he would go down that road. Now, Rabbi Wallstein was a hockey player and a basketball player, and I wanted to be the best, and I thought I was going to be professional, and I knew that I can't do drugs. If you're going to be an ice, you're going to go, are you going to, you're going to get on the ice, and you're 10 seconds slow, you're going to be a splattered mosquito on the glass, because the guy behind you is just going to whack you, right, so you don't want to be slow, so I had friends that were drinking, I had friends that were drugging, I had friends that were smoking cigarettes, I'm like, no, I can't, I'm a hockey player, I can't do that. So that saved me. So now, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what it is, I'm not going to marijuana. I never got drunk in my life, ever, 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 ever. Because I know my mannerisms, and I'm very impulsive. And if I knew what it meant when I'm hearing all these stories that I'm very down, then I'm going to go sink and get myself drunk. And by that escape, I just created a road in Riley Wallace's psyche that's called drunk or drinking or alcohol, What's going to stop me from moving those pylons and going down that road? I don't know what it feels like to drink. I don't know what it feels like to drug. I don't know what that feels like. So if you don't have that road, you don't go there. So I got other things. I, 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 I'll put on the music so loud in my car, right? Or I'll drive up to Bear Mountains to meditate and, and have my music blasting all the way up to Palisades Parkway that everyone can listen to it who's within 10 miles of me, right? That's what I did as a kid. I'm a drummer. Or I'll sit down and play drums till I'm sweating. That's my escape. I don't know those other escapes. So even if I shouldn't be having, at 57 years old, listening to music in the car, bouncing up and down, that's something I should do. It's my road. That, that's what I know. I don't have those other roads. So even if I close those roads, you shouldn't be listening to music that loud. You know, the guy in Ocean Park was looking at you, is that Robert Wallstein? His car's hopping. Like, what's going on over here, right? Even though I know, but that's the road that I have. It's not such a bad road. So it's, it's a learned behavior. So I said to this girl, one joint, and you know that feeling, you created a road. It may not be a four, a four lane highway. It may be a little teeny dirt road. You only took one. But you know what it tastes like. I don't. And it's very interesting because part of the tshuva on an Avera is missing the Avera. In other words, a girl's out Shemenigia and she does something very wrong. And she says, you know, Rabbi Wallstein, I, 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 I did something wrong, but it was really fun. I had a great time and I missed it. I'm like, that's part of your tshuva. The other girl doesn't miss it because she didn't do it. But you did it, so you miss it. You missing it and not doing it again, that is part of the tshuva. That suffering, which you caused yourself because if you didn't do it, you wouldn't know what it, if, you didn't, if you didn't drink, you don't know what it, I don't miss smoking. Guys are like, I have friends that stop smoking. They stopped smoking already 20 years. And they'll tell me after a good chillant, you don't know. 
I missed that cigarette, you know, on Friday after that good chillant or after a good steak. I'm like, what are you talking about? Ugh. Like, why would you want to smoke after a steak? Like, you don't understand. After a good meal, a cigarette? Wow. I'm looking I'm like he's a freak. What's wrong with you? After a good meal, I want a chocolate mousse. You know? Good chocolate dessert or something really good. You want a cigarette? And the answer is, he misses that cigarette and he has that withdrawal. That's part of his tshuva. If he didn't do it, it wouldn't be part of his tshuva. So, when you do an Avera, right? So, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how this whole story came up in, in, in class this week. So, this mission says you should make a Shilgav Torah. You should make a fence. What does that mean? So, I said, I'll give you a perfect example of what happened to me. 15 years ago, we put computers in my office. Before Google, Shmoogle, and all this other stuff, there was only AOL. Period. Finished. That's all you had. AOL and a computer. That's all I, That's all there was. <coughs> I have a big office. I have a big business. So they put computers. I was very proud of computers. They, were, they weren't flat screens. It was a big thing in the back. You know, the whole, like, the tubes. And it was a big, it was, it was a big computer. I put it on my desk. I remember it was 7 o'clock at night. I'm sitting there. And um, it's, it's, it's exciting. It was the first time I had a computer. You know, moving the mouse. And the, the mouse had a wire. It wasn't like today. Remote, whatever. And... This message goes, ding, right? Urgent, urgent, must reply. Now, it said IPG, IPEG. I didn't know that IPEG's a picture. I didn't know anything about computers, whatever. I knew nothing about it. I'm thinking, it's business, it's my customers. I don't know what it is. I hit it. It was a porn site. And this picture comes up. Not a picture that Ray Wallace should be seeing, right? And I'm like, whoa, where did that come from, Right? I realized, holy moly, that's one they sent me, you know, and what they do is they cover it, they, they use, I don't have to tell you, not that anyone here would know, but they use wording that you don't know, you know, what you're getting on. I got up, I shoved my witness, I took the computer out of my room, right, on the couch, I took the whole thing out, I'm like, I'm not allowed to have computers. Now you sit there, well, it's a big, okay, so control yourself, put a, you know, put a, put a, put a, put a, what's it called, put a, a, a filter on it. So I don't have a computer. I don't have an iPhone. I'm running a business, or Nava, a Teres Nava, Benochaya, a Teres Miriam, right? I have a family. I do have friends, right? I don't have internet. So when people tell me you have to have it, so I don't have it because I have people that work for me and they have it. But I don't have it. So the Yetzirah can't get me in that. He gets me in other ways. He can't get me in that. I can't. Go look at sites that I'm not supposed to, because I don't have, I'm, I don't have it. I don't have it. I have a phone, a, li- a little flip phone. So you send me a picture, I can't even see it. I don't have internet, right? I have a flip phone. I have no computer at work. It says Shabisa Shemla Negdi Summit. So why? Why don't you have a filter? And the answer is, because the filter, I put the password on. I could get it off. All right, someone else put the password. There's a way around it. Now, you say to me, you're saying, well, you go to the library. Or if you want to see something you're not supposed to see, so go, you know, you can see it on your friend's computer. And the answer is, that's another step. The Gemara says, if you want to do something immoral, dress in black and go to another town. Everybody asks, why would the Gemara tell you? Don't do it. It's a very funny Gemara. The Gemara says, if you want to be with a Zaina, that's what you want to do, right? Get dressed in black and go to a faraway town. So everybody asks, the Gemara says, you want to be with a Zaina? What's wrong with you? You crazy? Do tshuva. Don't go. Go to the mikvah. Go learn. Go into a, a walk refrigerator. Whatever you got to do. You know, cool off. The Gemara says, 
No, go to a faraway place and, you know, and, and get dressed in black. So everyone asks, what, what are you talking about? And the answer is that, that by the time you go to the faraway place and dress in black, that, that fire, that moment, right? If it's not in front of you, that moment, that extra step, you're going to say, I don't, I, don't, I don't need to do it. But if the Gemara is going to tell you, don't do it, jump in the mix, but do tshuva, you're going to do the sin. So the Gemara, the Gemara is telling you, you can do it, just, you have to travel 60, 90 miles, and you have to dress all in black, you're not going to do it. It's, it's sort of like, like the, the Fasmara, in, in the, you know, that if you go to war, and it allows you to do that, because if it allows you to do that, you're not going to do it. So, so I felt, that if I have a phone like this, I don't have a computer, so my sec, how do I get, how do, if you send me an email, how do I get it? You send Rebbe Wallstein at oranava.com, it goes to my secretary, she gets it. Any pictures from anybody goes in the garbage. She now I put it on my desk. I don't see nothing. She sends it to me. I read it. I write back an answer. I give it to her. She types it back. I don't. I don't know how. I. I don't want to know. How, now, why, why am I like that? Because of what I do, I can't take that chance. I can't take the chance that there's going to be a picture popping up on my iPhone, right? That I wasn't ready for. That I made a mistake. So, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, they do, um, whatever, something's going on, they go into their, their systems and they look up and see what this guy looked at and whatever it is. I don't have anything to look at. I don't have a computer. That's Asus Yaglatera. In Apotropos Larias, when it comes to immorality, there's no guarantee, there's no guarantor. Nobody can say, Ramosha Feinstein is not allowed to be in a room, was not allowed to be in a room when he was 90, right? Chavetz Chaim when he was 91? Could not be in a room alone with a girl. Rabbi Wallace, are you crazy? The Chafetz Chaim? And the Gemara says, The Chafetz Chaim. Nobody is trusted when the Yitzhahara has that chance. So when you have an iPhone, when you have the internet, you are in a room with thousands of women. Women that are not dressed, women that are on sites that shouldn't be. So you can say, but Rebbe, I'm not. Yes, you are. It's a click of a button. So you are in the room with them. If it's a click of a button, you're in the room with them. So right now, I'm not looking at them. But if they're in this machine, and I just need to push a button to see it, so I'm in the room with them. And I'm trouble to rise. You can't be in the room with them. You can't, you can't have that accessibility. You, you can't put an alcoholic in, in a room of wine and tell him not to drink. A man and a woman, it just doesn't work. It, do, it does work. That's the problem. And therefore, therefore there's yichud, Right? And, 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 and there's, and there's Shemenegia. My Rebbe, he's the best. Rabbi Galil is the best. And you know, this is, people are going to be listening to this tomorrow in their cars. I don't know how, how well they're going to do with this, but it's my Rebbe. Rebbe and Rebbe Galil is the man. So we, we, so I brought him this young Chassan and Kala. So I said, can, 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 can Rabbi Galil, can you give them a bracha? They should have healthy children and they should have a long life together. And he looks at the guy and the girl and he says, I don't give brachas unless you're shaman Are you shaman So they look at each other. Sort of. So everybody goes, there's no such thing as sort of. Are you shaman or you're not shaman The worst thing we ever did was hold hands. Forget about it. You don't tell that to Rabbi Gamliel. So Rabbi Gamliel says, I'm not giving you a bracha. Because I'm not giving you a bracha if you, if you can't keep Tarasamash bracha. Why would I give you a bracha? You know, to continue. So the guy, she said, we just told hands. So the guy stands up for her. And he says, 
I promise you, it didn't go any faster. Right? So he goes up on top, he pulls out a safer, I think it was a shukhanach, whatever it is, right? And he says, you know that that's, you can hold hands and it's not going to go past that. You, you know. He says, so then explain to me, the shukhanach says that a man is not allowed to be yichud with a dead woman. Shukhanach. You hear? You can't be in the same room alone with a dead woman. He said, he, he's my Rebbe. And he looks at this guy and he says, she's not dead. Surely if you can't be in a room with a dead woman, you can't be in a room with a live woman. Now, I was like, whoa. Like that's, that's a little bit uchi. No, that's a lot uchi. That's, that's like way out there. A dead woman? A dead woman? Chalach is you can't be in the same room with a dead woman? Come on. And what happened is, and you can you can look this up, probably a month or two after that situation, there was a huge case here in the United States. They made a movie from it. There were two guys who worked a night shift in a hospital. They went down to the morgue and they did things with the dead bodies of the women. And the court case was a very big court case because they charged them, I don't want to go into the whole thing, but they charged them with, right, whatever. And they claimed they're dead, they're not alive. How could you... They're not, they're not alive people. So we, how could you hurt someone who's dead? So they charged him with uh, mutilating a body, uh, a bunch of whatever, whatever it is. It was a huge case because he never had such a case, constitution, whatever it is, because the person's dead. You can't hurt someone who's dead, right? So you can mutilate a body. You can, there's other words for whatever it is, right? But they were charging them with the other thing that what happens when the person's alive. And it was a whole commotion. I'm like, Rabbi, Rabbi, Gamliel, the Shulchan Aruch, no. I'm like, what? They caught them because they had cameras in the morgue. Now that's sick, right? But the Shulchan Aruch is the, is the etzim of the world. And yeah, yeah, you can't trust a guy with a dead woman. So he's saying to this guy, oh, and, and we could trust you with her? She's not dead. So it's a Kalvachayma. And he turned all red, whatever it was. He promised they're going to be good, whatever it is, and he gave him a bracha. So the reason of, of, of Shemunagiyah is a siyagla Torah. And the problem is that the Yitzhahara tells us all, I could look at these pictures, they don't really affect me. Because I am, what's the big word? Different. I am different. We call it the D word. I am different. So all the time when I give all these shmuzin to girls, they're like, I know what you're thinking because I'm a makubo. You're thinking, Rabbi Wallace is right, all men are, they just want your body and they're just physical. But Rabbi Wallstein, the boy I'm going out with, mayor, He's different. You don't know him. You're right about all the other guys. Or, I can handle myself. I'm different. And I'm like, that's a Yetzirah word. Ain't apotropos arias. Nobody's different. And therefore, asu shogata, mukstan shabbos. Why do you have muks? You can't touch the, you can't touch the. So, so, what they, were, what they were asking me was, so if you're not Shemunagiyah, but you don't go any further, so are you over in Avera? See, I, I am different, right? And the answer is, if you touch something that's muksa on Shabbos, you're over. What do you mean? I touched the light switch, but I didn't flip it. But it's muksa. Why? Because the Chachamim said, that if you're going to let you touch the white light switch, and you're going to flip it. So therefore, we put Shagla Torah. We put this fence on Torah. So I, I'm just telling everyone here tonight, that if you really want 
to protect yourself, then there can't be an, you can't give the Yitzhahara an ability to even test you. Because you cannot be sure that you will pass the test. And therefore, in my case, which is, I, I'm not going to tell you that I'm not extreme, and I'm not any worse than anyone else in this room, I don't, I don't want to be tested. I don't want someone sending me pictures, so I don't have the ability to receive those pictures. You can't send me a picture. You can try, it ain't happening. So that's a siog. If you don't need the computer, yeah, I'll tell you what happened on our Pesach program, okay? Pesach program. Here, I'll end with this. Just remind me, I have to tell you a story next week from Bajit Tazria. The Pesach program. So I come to the, this hotel, our Pesach program in, 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 in um, Arizona. And it's a, it's, a, it's a Sheraton, right? So I'm there already six months before we, we're starting, you know, to make the deal, whatever it is. So I go into my room, and there's a TV. And it has movies, news, adult movies. I'm like, this is not good. I can't have a Pesach program with people having the ability to watch adult movies. Because at the end of the day, I take responsibility for the cashless, I take responsibility for everything. So I went down to the manager and I said, you got to get rid of the adult movies. And he said, we can't. Either we get rid of everything, right? Or pay-per-view, all of it. Or we have everything. We can't, we can't let them just watch like G or PG or, or Disney. We have to take it all out. You still have the news. You still have the regular channel, TV channels. We have to take out all the movies. So I'm like, okay, take out all the movies. I don't want, because the way it works in a hotel, is when you come in, they take a credit card for, what's the word they use? What? No, no, it's for incidentals, incidentals. Uh, you ordered a soda for all incidentals. They don't want you beating them, right? So they, that, now once they have that, any movie that you order goes on that credit card. You don't, have to, you don't, you don't have to call them. It's automatic. It's there. And then you get billed for it. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, parents are going to come in, give the, give the right credit card. They're going to be out. These kids are going to be sitting there watching, you know, eight year old kids are going to be sitting watching because they could pick any movie. By the time their parents find out, damage is done. So I'm like, I don't want any movies. I want it all turned off. Okay? I'm running this hotel. Everything's off. News, regular TV channels, no problem. But that, off. Okay? First day, Cholomoy. In other words, the next morning, a bunch of people come over to me. What's with the movies? We can't get any movies. Regular movies. We can't get any movies. I'm like, no, you can't. What do you mean? Do you know how much we're paying you for our room? What do you mean we can't get movies? I'm here with my wife. I finally have some time to vacation. And they're not talking about bad movies. They're talking about regular movies. The Godfather. I don't know what they're talking about. Right? So they're, so they're, so they're telling me, no, they're telling me, so, so don't put on the adult movies, but we want to watch regular movies. And I'm like, it can't be separated. So listen, that's not your problem, Rabbi Wallstein. If people want to watch what they want to watch, that's not your problem. But I am here on vacation. I want my movies. I'm like, it ain't happening because if you're in a room and that's available it's a fight if it's not available it's not a fight no fight it's not available you can't get it it's not a fight you, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta make that fence if you don't make that fence you you gotta be challenged why do you need to be challenged how do no one knows that they have that power no one knows that they're 
that they're strong enough. So, in the in the in the lobby of this hotel, there are six computers, like sort of in a round table, and these are all computers. It, the hotel is also for a lot of flights, and uh, there's a lot of pilots, and no, during the year, so that you can go on there, you can follow your flights. You, it's, they have to have that available. It's a business. It's a business hotel, so they have these six computers. So I'm like, okay, we got a bunch. We have 400 kids coming. I'm like, we got to disconnect the computers, right? And they're like, no, we don't. We don't. We're not. We don't have disconnect computers because all Sheraton computers are filtered. Kids cannot get. On, you can't get onto any sites that you shouldn't get on. So you don't have nothing to worry about, right, Wallstein? That's the rule. They're all filtered because we know there are kids that come down or whatever. I'm like, Baruch Hashem. Okay, filter. I'd rather they're not there altogether. But there are people checking in, checking out, da, 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 whatever, business guys, whatever, it's fine. The first night, Cholomoyed, at 2.30 in the morning, I, I went downstairs to whatever I had to do for the next day. And I see these two 13-year-old kids. And they didn't see me. I walked sort of, I wasn't looking for them, but the way I walked, I'm walking behind them. They're on the computer. And I'm like, what? I see what they're watching. I'm like, oh my God, I mean... The, the picture that showed up on my computer 15 years ago ain't nothing. So I'm like, how could that be? They have filters. Right? How could that be? So I go to the front desk. I'm like, first of all, I told the two kids, off now, out of here, go to sleep. Right? And they don't even, they don't, they're not even embarrassed. They didn't get red face. Like, oh my God, Red Walton caught me. They're like, okay, good night. I'm like, hello? Okay, that's this generation. It's like, okay, good night. Bye. You know, it's not like, oh my God, don't tell my mother, don't, nothing. Okay, good night. A little angry that I, that, that I made him turn it off, whatever. So I went to the front desk. I'm like, what's going on? You guys told me that you have filters. She goes, we do. Maybe they were on YouTube. On YouTube, you can get on YouTube things that you should not be seeing. So I'm like, they beat the system. So we went ahead and we disconnected all the computers. I said, I'm, I, I don't want this. I, I can't be responsible. These kids at three o'clock at night, fourteen-year-old kids watching this stuff, whatever. We disconnected them all. Dead. The next night, they were all back on. These kids, not the adults. These kids reconnected everything. They disconnected the modem. They found the modem. They found everything. The computer is there. The computer is there. Then it's a fight. If it's a fight, you could lose. If it's not there, it's not a fight. You have to make fences. Fences are that you don't have to deal with it. You don't have that road in your psyche. But a person has to know that if you step in there once, right? And that's what it means in the Mishnah later on. What does it mean, Avera Gereras Avera? It sounds like it's very not fair. I did an Avera. I remember when we learned this. I did an Avera. Why are you punishing me with giving me another Avera? I'm struggling, I did a sin. Now, that's not what it means. Avera, the rarest Avera means that once I make that road, I'm watching things I shouldn't, right? That I have that road of pornography, or I have a road of whatever I'm doing wrong, stealing, whatever it is. Once I create that road, Avera, Gureras, Avera, I'm going to end up down that road again. Because I created that road. Mitzvah, Gureras, Mitzvah. My mother-in-law, who went through the Holocaust, right? Whenever there's a problem in the family, she says, Behold to Helen. Why? Why? Because her road, when she went through the Holocaust and was going to Siberia on a march, right? All these little young girls who were 10 years old, 11 years old, all they knew was a couple of kapitla chetehillim that they were saying by heart. So her escape road from pain is tehillim. And that's why many of the, of the people from the 
from the Holocaust are called Tehillim Zavgars. They're always saying Tehillim. Right? Why aren't they taking Prozac? Why aren't they going to a therapist? Because that's not what they did as kids. They said Tehillim. So you create you know, the road. Now the longer you're away from your bad road, the further you have to travel to get to that road, the better off you are. But the most important thing is that you put a road in between. Because you are going to go to the first road to make that right, to get out of your pain. So if you started going to the Dafyami, if you started learning, if you started doing, if you started working out, if you started playing ball, if you started playing music, whatever it is, something that's healthy, something that's good, and you put that road in front of the bad road, that's where you're going to end up. That's where you're going to end up. But if you don't do anything, you did drugs, you're looking at things that you shouldn't, whatever it is, and you didn't, you didn't create another road, you're just going to keep going down until you find it. And you're going to move the pylons and you're going to relapse. So that's what it means. A person should, should make a fence. Don't, don't go there. You know, a lot of the kids that, that are drinking today, I asked them, when was your first drink? And the answer is Purim. And it was very innocent. They went to some guy's house and he thought it would be funny to give these kids wine or whiskey, whatever it is. And, and now they're, and now they're drunks and they're 16 years old and they're drinking and drinking their, and, and they're drunk and they're sleeping till four o'clock. And the guy who did this was some guy who, who gave them to drink on Purim. And he's like, what do you want from me? It's Purim. What did I do wrong? And the answer is you created a road in this child's psyche. And he is now going down that road as much as he can. And if you create that road, you're responsible for that road. So we as adults have to try not to create these negative roads. And if we did, because we did, that's our past, then we have to create positive roads. And that those will be the roads that we go down. And all the good roads lead to one place. The road to Yerushalayim. You should see Mashiach from here, may know name. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.